How's everybody doing today? This is Kevin McCove, and you are tuned into the McCove Mindset Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with my dear friends, Jeremy Hebel and Gail Dillman, the owners of Gable Music Ventures. I have an incredible, incredible event called the Ladybug Festival Celebrating Women. It has grown to be this massive event that invites over 10,000 people into Market Street in downtown Wilmington. If you are trying to start a business or get into the music scene, these are the people that you need to listen to. They have such incredible insight, and I can't wait for them to share it with you. So let's get to it. Jeremy and Gail, they have been super incredibly supportive of the local music scene in Wilmington, Delaware. Um, actually, kind of like the tri-state area. Um, me personally, I've definitely benefited from their love and kindness. Um, I've gotten opportunities from them. Really, really great people. But why don't you tell me a little bit about, tell us a little bit about what it is that you guys started, how you started. Yeah. Well, so I am a musician. Bye to you out of the trash. Sorry. <laughs> I am a, a musician. I'm born uh, and raised here in Wilmington. And uh, I, you know, just through a, a bunch of different kind of uh, situations, I was lucky enough to meet Gail, um, who was really passionate about creating opportunities for all ages, for, for musicians of all ages to perform. Um, and we uh, kind of put our heads together, and actually out of necessity, because I was looking for, I was helping her look for a place uh, for her daughter to perform, when her daughter at the time was 15 years old, and writing original music. And at that time in Wilmington, uh, from my connections at least, I didn't know of any venues that there weren't any. Right, because there were none. That's why. Not to be uh, yeah. so definitive about it. Um, but, you know, I did. We, we looked around, couldn't find one. And basically told you, look, if you want her to be able to play somewhere, we're just going to need to rent a, rent a place and do it. And so before there was Gable, there was this situation that happened where we realized a real need here in Wilmington um, to create performance spaces for all ages and musicians. And that was really how the business started. Um, and, you know, a lot of uh, other people in the community really reached out to Gail after that, um, this, this event, this first event that we did, which actually sold like 125 tickets. And, you know, I basically put together the lineup and Gail did everything else, you know, found the venue, uh, you know, got the tickets up, you know, everything, everything that, that I didn't have as, as a skill set at the time, she fortunately did. And I've learned so much from Gail over the years. Um, but that's what his uh, what what this all started as, and over the year we've kind of had to over the last eight years almost um, we'll be eight years old in May, kind of had to re uh, reinvent know, ourselves reinvent ourselves in a number of times. Yes, yeah. um, when we started we you know didn't really know what the heck we were doing. Neither of us had uh, business backgrounds, and neither of us certainly didn't have music business backgrounds. Although I'm not so sure it would have mattered. Anymore. Right, because a traditional music business background probably wouldn't have worked in this market. Right. Um, so we were unique in that you know we just learned by doing and learned by making mistakes. Is that the best way to learn? Yeah, well, we, we we learned it's the most uh, we learned it. Uh, there's an expression out there: fail fast. Right. Yes. So um, fail forward, fail forward, <laughs> yeah. and fail fast. And we did we did both. So we often would do these pop up shows, and down on Market Street when no one was going down to Market Street. I mean, this was before anybody was even down there, hardly. And we'd have these shows, and we would have the bands come, and we would be there, and that's pretty much it. And I would go into the bathroom, and I would sit there in the toilet going, I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. Like, what am I doing? And we had spent, you know, five, six hours setting up, you know, going and buying things for the bar, getting the gathering license. Getting tickets. That's not even all the promotion leading up to it. So, you know, to have nobody there. 
kind of soul crushing, yeah. you know, really. Yeah. And for the artists and for us. And you know, one thing that I know that worked for us from the very beginning is that even on nights like that when we were losing money, we still insisted on paying the artist. You know, because that was something that as a musician, that's my insight to give to this business is I knew there was already plenty of businesses out there that were that were making money off artists and not paying artists. And I right. wanted to make that clear from the beginning that we were different. Um, and that we would always pay the artists something. Even if it was 20 bucks for gas money, something. Right. It's, oh. that, it's that act of saying, look, we lost money, obviously, but you still brought a great performance. Thank you. Here's some compensation. Well, and that it, really set us apart. It did set us apart. And also almost made it, us go bankrupt, too. So uh, right. the other side of it is that while it was nice to be so philanthropic with our business, it wasn't actually um, helping us sustain it. So we but had to change that model around at some point. But where, I think you'll agree that that was one of the reasons. You think that, that helped, helped I, you build, like, um, equity amongst the artists to um, so where they would... They were like, okay, I want to work for you a little more, or I want to tr at least try to put more effort into the things that I'm doing for you because sort of. Um, I think what it what it did more so was that it it let people know that we had a different level of integrity and that we were committed to building our business. And I think that if they knew that we were committed, then they knew what we were going to do was going to be a good event, whether it brought out ten people or a hundred people or a thousand people. We, had, we were offering to musicians and venues the opportunity to have some consistency in, in booking and doing events. Um, did it make them trust us more? Yeah, probably. But, but at the end of the day, I think it just established our reputation. I think that's what really we were, when I think back to it, what was really so important is we were a company that started out of nowhere. No one was doing what we were doing in Wilmington. There wasn't anyway. There wasn't hardly any place to play. The Queen had just opened. Um, I think four months after we started yeah, right the business, around the same time. right around the same time. But nobody knew anything. The um, there were no venues. There were hardly you know other than uh, Mojo Maine and and um, Mojo up on a Concord up on the Concord Philadelphia Pike. Right. There were hardly any places that musicians were playing. So we had to first and foremost established our identity. Who are we? You know, what do we do? What are we looking to do? And, you know, this whole idea about, you know, um, showcasing original music, giving all ages a platform to play was something that that's what we started doing. That was our whole mantra in the beginning. And it, and that is still what we want to do. It's still what we do, but it, it had to evolve with us. So in order for that evolution to really happen, we had to get get musicians to trust us. And how do you get them to trust you? You know, you do right by them. You do right by them by you give them something to eat, you give them a little bit of money for doing a performance, even kind, though... Kindness. Uh, appreciation. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, musicians are so frequently taken advantage of. Um, you know, uh, it doesn't matter what city they're in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the whole, the whole idea of, oh, well, they're playing for exposure. You know, something that we've been really against. Right. That right. right. <laughs> like, you can get exposure yeah. by busting. Right. 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 So you get yourself on YouTube. You get yeah. exposure. Right. And so yeah. we we just we wanted to set ourselves apart. No, I'll go a step further and say that I think our biggest asset as a business is the relationships that we have with yeah. with the artists that, right. that are that are you know, absolutely incredibly talented. And, and time and time again. You know, we're asked by certain venues, hey, how did you manage to pull this together? Well, it's because we have a history right. and, yeah, and a certain amount of respect. It's not like, you know, if you're getting quoted one thing, 
may not be the same situation for us because of this history and relationship. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's invaluable. And I think that, you know, those relationships got kicked off the right way. We never had to have damage control where we went back and said, oh man, what have we been doing? And figure out, from the beginning, we had that entire group to say, you know what? Ours need to be paid for something. Right. I think that that the only damage control was for ourselves and our bottom line. Right. <laughs> 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 that was the damage control. Right. You know, right. Just figuring out how to, how to make this a profitable business because at the end of the day, you could have the best of intentions, but let's face it, we're, we're, we have to make money. We have to right. sustain that's ourselves. A very, so that's a huge thing. One of the the reason why I even started you know, doing this podcasting is because I was like, hey, there are so many musicians out here who have, musicians and entrepreneurs alike, sure. you know, uh, but specifically in the music business that don't know how to turn profits. Yeah. Oh, you absolutely. Know, like, so it's like, absolutely. oh, like I'm, I'm trying to do absolutely. this. I want to do it. And it's like, well, how do I make the profits? Right. So, yeah, like what were, what were some of those sort of, how did you overcome that hurdle once you started to identify that's like, hey, look, this isn't going to be sustainable. Right. So there's a lot of things that happen. Um, you know, when you start, when you first, the first thing you have to do when you're when you're thinking about that, and one of the first things we did was we had to think of ourselves as a business. So that meant for us that we became an LLC. So legally, we had an entity, and we had to file taxes. We had to get uh, licensed by not only the city but the state of Delaware. So you got to do that stuff. You, you got to be a real business. So that changes your mindset right there. So you become a real business. Um, invested. Yeah, we we invested it, but but um, more importantly, and this is where Jeremy and I, you know, would have differences in in thought. Everything we did or do, I look at it as a an equation. Okay. Okay. So, um, what are we getting? What are we getting out of it financially? What does the art? What can the artist get out of it financially? And trying to back out of it, you know, what, what does it cost to, for Gable to be involved or to do an event? And it sounds really cut and dry, but there's a certain math, math to everything. And I'm not a math person at all. In fact, I never took an accounting class in my entire life, which I recommend every musician to take an accounting class because it really will help you to understand your costs. What are your costs going into something? So while you can agree to paying a gig for $50, if it's going to cost you $35 for gas and tolls and parking, you may want to rethink that unless on the other side, maybe you are developing new fans or finding another way to monetize that experience. Right, so you got cost-benefit analysis. You, gotta, you yeah. have to think that way. You just can't say, oh, hey, that's a cool place to play. I'm going to go play it. Now, you can, and a lot of artists do, but, you, but if you don't wrap your brain around the numbers part of it, you can't become a viable business. You just, right. you can't. The other thing we started to do was to really keep track of what we were doing. And I know this sounds like a really silly thing to say in a way, but, but when you don't track your expenses and you don't track your revenue on bottom line, like QuickBooks or using something like that, you can lose track of what you are doing so fast. I would venture to guess that if, if, if I could go back in time, back to when we first started to right now, I could probably tell you there's... Thousands of dollars of uncollected fees that I have sat there because we didn't have the process that we have now. Right. Or I didn't charge enough, or I didn't charge at all, or I forgot to invoice. You know, so all these things. It took us, it took us years. And years. really, it took me a lot longer than it took you. Yeah, I think Gail had this instinct from the beginning of like, hey, 
if we're not making X, we're not going to be in business. Whereas it took me a longer time to just to get that. And for me, this was always. Uh, well, you come from like the musicians. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the musicians that never thought of themselves that, as a business. Right, so I want to right, qualify that, it. That, yeah. right, right. that helped our business, but I think it also yeah. hindered us for a period of time because it was such a passion project for me and not enough of a business for me. Right. Um, so that. You know, the, uh, Gable has grown drastically over the last couple of years, and a lot of that has become me finally understanding, uh, oh, the more we grow as a business, the more we can hire musicians, the more we can have an impact. Right. As opposed to, because that's, you know, I personally am not in it for the money. And that he can says. be a good thing. Enough for, like, I guess, yeah. for anybody who's like, I'm not in it for the money. It's like, well, yeah. to some degree, you are. You are. Like, you, you have to. 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 It's interesting to me how, like, making money for some reason has become this, like, negative thing. You like know, it's where dirty. it's like, yeah, it's all dirty about it. It's like, oh, everything you do, like, you need money. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I think a lot of artists struggle with that. Well, I think I think what the what the issue is behind that with artists is, are you doing this as your career or are you doing it as a hobby? Yeah. And there's a there's a distinction between that. So some people don't need the money and they just do it because they love to do it right. and they have other jobs and other ways, other income streams. Right. And that's We're gonna call that a hobbyist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And then there's people who want to make a living at it. So if you want to make a living out of it, you have to become a business. You have to do it the right way and get yourself incorporated in some way. And you have to value making money. And making right. money is not a bad thing. It's a really good. Well, thing. yeah, it's funny because yeah. no one, no one thinks that no one ever is like making money is bad. Yeah. People always want to make money. Right. It's, right. it's just that they have these like guidelines. Right. Where, well, I can right. make it this way, but I can't make it that yeah. way. Because right. if I make it this way, then someone's like, no, it's it's right. kind of all the same. Right. Um, and you'll be able to do more of what you love. I think, like, yeah. keeping your goals and objectives. Right. Like, how, how does that work for you guys? Like, what is the, the mission statement behind? Yeah. yeah. So, again, it's, it, it's mutated so many times. Or it's, it is, I like that. Uh, yeah, mutated. mutated. And it's actually mutating as I like to evolve. You know, right. one of yeah. our big focuses and missions for 2019 is to physically expand the size of the music scene, to identify... Uh, businesses that can benefit from having live music but have never been able to do it on their own and, and work with them to institute a live music programs so that we can then hire more musicians and, and provide additional places to, right. to perform. Um, as a business, one of our big missions here is to scale up, to grow up, to increase the overall number of opportunities uh, for us, the number of, overall number of rooms we have access to. Um, and then it, we still are very true to our original mission, which is just to improve the original music scene right. here in Wilmington and, you know, in Delaware and in the region. And, and uh, when I say that, when we started again back with the business, it was there were plenty of opportunities if you were a cover artist. Right. And really almost nothing. Yeah, so for, so for anyone listening, just to interject real quick, like if you, in this area, in Delaware, in Wilmington, the... The original music scene kind of didn't exist eight years ago, eight to ten years ago, right. and the the cover music scene though has always been like always. a big yeah. thing here. So, um, was that did that become like a thing for you? Like, why do you think the original music scene was not as big as the cover music scene here? Because it's you know 
The Baltimore yeah. music scene is big here, yeah. but you can go to Baltimore, which is only yeah. a, like an hour away, hour and a half away, and the cover music scene there is nowhere near as right. large as it is here. It's right. economics. It's economics. You know, especially with it being beach town, especially. Right. You know, there are there are artists, there are cover bands that could make all the money they needed to in a year, playing for a few months in the summer down the beaches. And and I think what happened is that kind of spilled over. So you have areas like Trolley Square and other locations. That's what they booked. That's what they booked because these were bands that were proven. They had people that were coming out parties that, that would bring a party. And that's what they did. And when you were an original band, no one was hiring. So it's simple well, economics. You know, that's, I, I think, what we started changing. Well, and if I can in, inject in that, too, um, there weren't as many venues. That, that was number one. There weren't as many all-ages venues. That's even more important. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that really helped to change it in Wilmington was the opening of the Queen. Uh, World Cafe Live, when they opened that room. That was a venue for all ages, and it had two gorgeous stages where people of all ages could come and, you know, have platform for their music. So one of the things that, because it started, you know, if you go back to how did we start, why did we start, it was, it started with my daughter didn't have a place to play. She was 15 years old, had original music, and she didn't have a place to play. So... I got this, you know, this idea in my head that, you know, providing that platform, that's a business opportunity. I'm creating something that nobody was really even thinking about that they needed. Right. So, once you kind of, and that, once you kind of find something to create. Once you provide. Once you provide it. For need, the yeah. need. You know, and so we did it, I guess, in a, in a very traditional way of, you know, what makes a business successful? Well, create the need. Right. You know, and so we created the need. And that was how it started. And we really wouldn't. We really had our big push when, when uh, World Cafe Live at the time let us come into their upstairs stage and start doing our, our what we then called. Um, this, what do we still call it? The six when we were there. We were still doing it. Yeah, the six, the six, six, which was singer songwriter showcase. Right. And that was what started to really legitimize. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And but we could offer that opportunity not only to over twenty one, but we could offer it to kids as young as eleven or twelve came and performed right. on that stage. The best part so, of the show was uh, getting to book 15, 16 year old emerging artists with. You know, local artists that have been playing for 20 years. And, you know, that excitement that these kids have when they're not only getting the chance to play them in front of an attentive audience, but getting paid for it. Right. It's so contagious to somebody that might have looked at that gig as kind of like That's the taste that, like, so many kids don't. Like, you'll never have. Like, that that taste is... It's an amazing thing to offer younger people. So, when kids are creating, they're not doing the other stuff. And one of the one of the things that was another benefit that came out of doing something like that was, you know, you, you brought in that whole next generation of sort of baby boom, young baby boomers, the 40 to 50, 60 year old group of people who hadn't been going out to see live music. And all of a sudden you're reintroducing them to live music. Well, music puts you in the present moment. You know, when you're in, when you're listening to live music, not usually thinking about what happened yesterday, what's going to happen tomorrow. You're in that moment. Right, it's a form of escapism. It sure is. And I think people started to remember how cool it was to go see live music. Now, that's been a real journey to get people to come out on a regular basis to Wilmington. 
But it's happening. We've been at it now for seven years. And I, I have to say, with the, with the new restaurants opening that are doing music, there's so much more music available to people. And I think they're recognizing that, hey, this is cool, this is fun. Friday night at Logan House, we do our uh, live music for early birth, 7 to 10 o'clock. It was packed. And it was with, with yeah. 60, 70 year old. I mean, it was crazy. It was crazy. They're eating, they're drinking, they're having fun. And then at 10 o'clock, they clear out, and all the, the millennials come in, you know, eating, not eating, but just drinking. Uh, and it, it, the whole thing changes over. But it's, you know, there's a market for it. And so we, we sort of started to tap into that market. And I think that's what, um, I think that's what really ha helped our success along the way. I mean, it, it So did you target them? Did, were you targeting oh, your market oh, yeah. towards the 50 to 60, like, hey, 40s, you're probably not gonna wanna be out, your bedtime is 9.30. Absolutely. You know, type of. So, absolutely. So, you know, just from our own perspective, when we do shows and they were starting at 10 o'clock and ending at one o'clock, you know, by the time you're rolling around, you're just, you're being. Right. And in Wilmington, there wasn't enough critical mass that really wanted to come out at 10 o'clock. So, the idea of starting something earlier, when we did that with our songwriter showcase, We've done it with the Logan House shows. Our favorite time is 7 to 10. 7 to 10? That's our sweet spot. This, is, this works for Wilmington. We're not New York City. Right. You know, New York City, you start at 10 at the earliest, probably more like 11 or 12. Right. It's a very it's different this, market. It specifically works for original music. Yeah. You know, the 10 to 1 crowd, they want covers. That's yeah. what they want. They want that part. Right. You know, so it, that's what's, what's been a lot of fun to do is in approaching venues that have always done 10 to 1 is to explain to them, hey, you're missing out on a whole population, a whole thing that people can market to here, right? And there's also, there's, there's a lot of bands that have absolutely zero interest in starting their night at 10 to 1. A lot of them are original bands that, hey, if we can do an 8 to 11, or we can do a 7 to 10, all of a sudden, you've got bands like the band that we had on Friday when it was packed with millennials, they are range in age of 55 up to 70. Right. And so they don't want to come out and play at 10 o'clock. They well, want to come out. I mean, yeah, even if they do, it's, you can double up. You know, Absolutely. like from a, from a musician's perspective, yeah. I see that as an opportunity yep. to be like, I can do two shows now. Yeah. We were just you know, talking, I can, right. I can do one show and then yep. I can leave that show yep. and be at the next place in Philly or wherever it is. That's exactly yeah. what we've talked about to, to different yeah. artists. So so we sort of, you know, we're, we're kind of curating that, that that piece of it when it comes to like booking and venues. But you had asked the question, you know, you know, what's like the mission? Where where right. are we going? So I want to go back to that just for a second. Mm -hmm. um, because my my mission, my vision is not, you know, what's necessarily happening today or tomorrow, but my plan down the road, what, you know, and I and I dream big because, you know, I'll I'll just keep going until somebody shuts me down and says, no, you can't do that. Uh, and then I'll say, why not? You know, I, I take no when I absolutely have to. I mean, you know, what do you lose? Nothing. Except, you know, anyway. So I keep going. So what do I envision for Gable in five years from now? I want it to be um, at, at, at least the Mid-Atlantic region for all, all kinds of entertainment. Not only booking for venues, but providing um, other entertainment services such as special event curation, running the logistics, you know, running festivals, running other events. I would love to have a, um, 
a wing of Gable that you know offers photography, videography services as well. Kind of, I see this like an umbrella, like an umbrella company of you know we call it. What do we call it? Gable Music Overlords. Gable Music Overlords. <laughs> <Nice>. Overlords. <laughs> so I would love to. At least in this area. So, and I'd love to have, if I could, you know, develop this over time. I'd love to have an educational piece to this as well, where we provide, you know, opportunities for musicians to teach each other, conferences for people to learn about. Um, some of things we're talking about right here. Right. Yeah. We're you know, artist development. You know, artist Which development. Which we dabbled in like in the first couple of years. Because this is what we didn't know. About. Well, we we dabbled. <laughs> I remember. I remember yeah. on your like website, you had artists who were like yeah. kind of like yeah. senior yeah. Yeah. artists. Yeah. 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 Um, but I have this dream in my head of being able to pull a conference together at some point centered around the Ladybug Festival, not exclusively for women, but really gearing, I, you know, no one really does a good conference around here. I've had um, quite a few discussions, um, yes. and I have some podcast interviews actually coming up with, with some of our friends who yeah. run, you know, like yeah. Jeremy Weiss, and, you know, yeah. so... Yeah. That has been a big thing for me too, and yeah. the, the education part portion yep. of it is just like, hey, there's yep. there's a lot of very general blanket information yeah. with no way to apply any of it. You know, where I'm like, hey, let's let's get into the nitty gritty about like, oh well, I'm a musician and I want to get my Spotify plays up, like. A, how do you do that? B, why do you want to get them up? Like, right. what's the reason why you want right. to do that? Oh, because. Right. Oh, right. well, you don't know why you want to get them up. Like, well, yeah. Or you don't even understand what you're saying that you right. want to do. So I'll even go more basic than that. You know, there, there's there's no basic training for musicians. You know, there's no right. basic training. There's no uh, musician, be how to be a musician for dummies type of book. You know right. how they get those books that tell you what I want. You know, there's a guy named Ari. Um, he does a blog spot called Ari's Take. Okay. Um, he has some pretty, he has some good insight um, in this blog. And it is sort of like a, hey, look, this is how you can be a full-time musician type cool. of information. That's yeah. right. um, but but to connect to what you're saying, I feel that way too, but for me, it's in schools. Right. Like where I know where children have to be regardless right. anyway, and where there is an arts program, multiple arts programs, whether it's drawing or dance or whatever, but... The education is incredibly outdated. Right. And there's no way to apply it. Right. Uh, like that to me is there, like, yes, there is certainly, for looking for a need, the yes. There, it is there. You know, we, we get so many emails per day. If I had a dime for every email that comes from an artist that is poorly written, uh, grammatical errors, links that don't work, always laughing. It's like, it's true. And I just like, if you can't proofread your work right there, when you're asking me for an opportunity, what makes you think I'm going to book you? So that matters to you a lot. Oh, absolutely. First impressions. First impressions. What I tell a lot of people is like, know who you're talking to. Absolutely. So I think that, yes, if you're going to talk to anyone who's like 35 and older, you probably want to hit all those points. Absolutely. If you're going to talk to someone that's 25 and below, that, that's probably not even that's that important. important. You actually may turn people off right. by being too formal. Right, right. You know, like, you, that's you, you why I don't get much that more success. I yeah, give like, it to Jeremy to do. But I'll tell you, it, it, it ultimately makes a difference to me 
how um, people present themselves, your first impression. So, I mean, I feel like I can write a book on first impressions in the music business. Like, I can't tell you many people who come up to me and, first of all, never go up to somebody at an event and think that you're going to get their undivided time and attention. I can't remember. If somebody comes up to me, it's gone out of my brain by that. <laughs> never, never do that. But, but the other thing is, um, you know, I can't tell you many people come up to you and they're, they're high, they're drunk or whatever. You know, you want me to take you seriously when... Right. That just isn't, you know... You well, want these to ways you're higher you <laughs> Exactly. Yes. We're both in the same boat. Um, but I, I look at, you know, like, I'm not saying it always has to be that way, but if you're, if you're in an opportunity where all of a sudden you're meeting the booking, the, the main booking agent from Philadelphia, Live Nation, and your head isn't together, and you don't have a business card with you, you blew it. You know, you know, you don't know when that opportunity is going to present. So you kind of have to be in your game mode most of the time. Yeah. Most of the time. Really and, and artists, again, go back to, do you think of yourself like a business? If you think of yourself like a business, I don't leave my house without my business cards on me and earplugs. Because when I go to venues and it's really loud, you know, so I can actually right. save so listen. Yeah. Listen. and yeah. save my ears so that, you know, when I'm... I tell everybody buy earplugs. Right. Best yeah. Best. Being prepared is a huge thing. So I, huge. when I talk to like younger kids, yeah. especially um, a big thing, like business cards for that demo, you know, it's like oh, you probably don't need those because right. people are just going to throw them away. Honestly, right. they're right. pointless. Right. But ha make sure your phone is on you. Right. Make sure your phone is on you and that you have music on your phone. You wouldn't, like, so many times right. I've been in a meeting or, like, I've ran into someone. It's like, hey, like, you're this person, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Quick talk. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, you do? Like, let me listen to something real quick. Yep. Like, have headphones because you sure. don't know someone else is going to have headphones. Right. And make sure right. that your music is, like, downloaded on your phone, not streaming because yep. you don't know where, if you're going to have service or if you're, like, but make sure it's on your phone. And then always have your links. Yeah. Kind of like save things, yeah, like in your notes or whatever right. it is. Like make sure your links are saved. I, right. I can't say when I'm when I'm booking like big events like Smyrna at Night, for example, which is a you know it's such a cool opportunity for us to have where we have a pot of money and we get to choose who's going to play this. I like that. It's not yeah, like I'm overflowing pot of money, but it's, it's a lot of money. Yeah. It's, actually it's a great, it's a great opportunity to be able yeah. to look out and find and give opportunities for artists to play their original music in front of a big crowd. And, and it's something that's rare for people to have that opportunity to do. Right. And I can't say how many times I'm going through and I'm looking at you know, people that have applied or, or have reached out and said, I really want to play on Spurn at Night, and I'll click on their Facebook page, and and maybe they have a video, maybe they have something, but it takes me five, six minutes to find anything to listen to, and even if I like it, there's no contact information. And then I move on. I'm not going to send a Facebook message to your page. Like, give me a phone number, give me something. You know, don't make, make it easy, as easy as possible for me. So for, for anyone listening who may be like, oh, wow, like Able Music Mentor is awesome, because they are, um, how, what's the, like, what do they need to do to be like, hey, look, this is how I can present myself to you because maybe I'm interested in an internship. Maybe I'm interested in uh, performing for yeah. a thing. Or, you know, how, what is the best way to say, hey, look, this is me. Yeah. So we're, again, very fortunate to have a weekly opportunity which is Wilma Wednesdays, which is, you know, we make a, we make an effort to, to be there. And that's specifically where we go to, to, to see an act and to meet the artist. And if anybody's interested in doing that, 
just send me an email, uh, jeremy.gablemusicventures.com. They can send me links, they can send me, but specifically, you know, that, that one-on-one relationship is something that we really want to be able to offer and continue offering as we grow. So it's easier for us to set aside a night to go to and do this rather than trying to find time on a weekend to go out and see a bunch of shows and that kind of thing because we've got so many shows going on. So Wilma Wednesday, if you're an artist looking to get involved, looking to get booked by us, that's the number one way. Come out and show us what you got. Meet us, shake our hands, you know, build a relationship with us face-to-face. That's always going to be the best way to do it. And that show is there and it's always happening. And, and you know, you can't just show up and play uh, because we treat it like an event. We, you know, we promote it. We, we, we put a lot of thought into the lineup. It's well curated. Yeah. Um, you know, if you want an intern, if you want to get involved in some way, if you want us to consider you for employment opportunities outside of performing, have a resume. Make sure that when you send a good cover email, write to Gail, have your resume on it, and be direct. What are you hoping for? And, and what, I'll, are you for? And what are you I'll, looking for? And I'll, and I'll go even further with that because I get so much stuff in the mail. Follow up. Be patient. Mm-hmm. Follow up. Be persistent. Yeah, if you don't get a response. Because I lose be track of resumes, uh, of, of emails. I mean, I, I try really, really hard to always get back to everybody who gets who sends me something, especially if they've taken the time to track me down. I, I try to. It doesn't always work. I have to right. be honest because I get hundreds of emails, and it's easy to lose track of something, and my brain only has capacity for that much. And so if it comes on a day that there's a hundred other things going on, um, yeah, it gets lost. Right. So follow up. Be patient. Be persistent. Uh, you know, it's... It's, it's, it's mind-blowing to me yeah. how many people feel like one email is... Mm. Oh, there's no... It's it only the point. I'm taking it a step further. It's mind-blowing right. to me how many people take personal offense to that. Right. We're like, right. I'll see somebody, I'll talk to them, and they'll be like, I sent you an email years ago, and I'm like... Okay. okay. How many have you sent since then? Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Right. And we have a, and we have a lot of artists as well where it's just it's just for us. You know, there's artists I know that I haven't worked with in years, and it's not because I don't want to work with them. They're just not hitting me up. They're not continuing to reach right. out to me. And when we have so much going on, the artists that are filing up, calling, texting, emailing, saying, "Hey, I'm looking for something on X date or Y date. I want to play." That they're getting the work. I'm right. not going to go out of my way and be like, gee, who has booked in three and, years? And I'll, you know? I'll go, I'll go so it's that me. hunger. It's right. that hunger. Right. Show us you want to play. But I'll go one further on that, too. If, if you if you want to do something and you want to do it at a particular venue and you're looking, you're saying, oh, they're, they're booking at you know Logan House. Go look and see the last five bands that have played Logan House that were booked under Gable. Do you know anybody? A personal recommendation from one of those band members goes a long right. way. Yeah. So connect the dots. You know, any Underst- sorry. Yeah. I was saying understanding how our business works. And our business works in that we have a client that that reaches out to us and says, We're looking for an artist for uh, an art exhibit, for example, an art opening. Right. And it's one of the reasons we turn to you so frequently, is because the clients love you. We'll get a call. Kevin was amazing. You know, we'll reach sometimes they'll reach out and be like hey, can you find out if Kevin is available because yeah. you've done such a great job for that client. And so when we, we'll send something, we'll tell we'll tell artists, hey, this is the situation. You know, it's not a rock venue. Don't blow people out. Make sure you listen to us because if you right. go into that venue, you need to do the best job ever. Yeah, but it's if we thing. have a client that goes, never book that artist again, that's that. We can't book you back in that venue. And then don't argue with me when I come back and I give you that right. feedback and say, hey, client wasn't happy. I'm not going to be able to book you back in there again. Don't go, that's ridiculous. We did such a great job. 
That's the client. That's not us. That's right. like this is this is who pays the bill. So that's the other lesson. <laughs> that's subjective. <Yeah>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But see, yeah. now that's the other uh, the other lesson in you know treating yourself as a business is understanding where where what you're walking Absolutely. into, what's appropriate, what level of noise is appropriate. Sometimes you want to be blasting. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes it's always, you know, always better to be asked to turn up. Right, then turn down. You know, air on. A, you know, we we book a lot of restaurants that are not traditional music venues. These are places that. They'd love to have all reason for people to come in and enjoy their food and drinks over somebody else's. That's the whole reason someone's coming in there to play. And if what all that happens is someone comes in and plays, yeah, maybe they bring in a handful of people, but the regulars who come in every night get blasted out the door because of volume's too loud, you better believe that owner is going to hit us up and say, hey, that person's not right for this room. Thank you. Versus if you bring a few people in, and even if it's not a, a big turnout, you didn't fill the place, but the people that usually come in there were like, yeah, it was kind of cool. I liked it. Odds are, even though you didn't really deliver as we'd hoped in terms of attendance, the, the owner might be like, hey, you know what? That was cool. Let's bring them back again. I think maybe we'll give it another shot. Right. And that's really what drives us is our client. Now, that's 90% of things. There's other things different. You know, Ladybug Festival, that's us. We don't have a client for Ladybug Festival. We are we are Ladybug Festival. We're right. that on for ourselves and for the, for the scene. You know, you know, We've got sponsors. You know, we want to make we, we have to make sure our sponsors are happy. Um, we have to make sure the venues are happy. Um, but we don't put that on the artists as much as, as you know some of the other situations that we're booking. Um, so I think even for artists that you know, even if you're not 100 percent sure what the vibe is in a place, it's better to err on the safe side. You know, talk to a manager, talk to the owner before you play, and let them know. Hey, I'm not sure about volume levels or whatnot, so I'm going to start quiet. Will you just let me know if I should come up? Or you get that feedback. Right. Show the owner that you care about their customer's experience, and you're off on a really good footing. And I don't think enough enough artists think that. So many artists, I think, think it's about them. It's about their performance, and they're going to go out and they're going to slay it. Right. And they need to realize that we're in certain circumstances and at a certain level, that's absolutely the case. But when you're playing inside of a you know Chickie's Pizza. <laughs> right. And yeah. I don't mean to say anything bad about Chickie's Pizza, who have been, you know, before Chickie's it was extreme, and over the eight years they have booked hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of artists through us, and they do it on nights even when we're not booking it. Um, you need to know what situation you're going into then, right? I can't tell you how many times we'll book somebody and get that feedback from the owner saying, nah, not again, yeah. not again, this isn't a punk rock thing. And you know, they should know that, and even though we'll say it when we're booking, like, hey, keep in mind, this is what it is. It doesn't matter all the time, and I think bands are just going to do what they're going to do sometimes, and they're hurting themselves in the long run. They really are. And if you're like, hey, I'm not willing to do that, don't take the gig. Right. Don't yeah, you can always say no. I can understand. Yeah, you're you're out. Out. If you're a punk band no. and you don't want it to go, you're saying, don't play, yeah. don't play Chickie's Pizza. So, right. I mean, yeah. so, quick, like, for anyone listening who may potentially be a business owner who's interested in like this side of things, who's interested in like, hey, look, I'm not an artist, but I am interested in booking or I am interested in management or uh, marketing and promotion, you know, or if they want to do something like this in their town or small city, um, what advice do you, would you offer to them? Like the, like a major key that's like, without this information, we may not have come up with a business plan. Yeah. Come up with a plan. And, 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 and I say that as somebody that didn't have a business plan until five years into this business. Because every time someone would say that, that was all they would say. They would just say, hey, you got to have a business plan. 
So I'll tell you, there, there are always resources available in every city. Yeah. Uh, Small Business Association, yeah. uh, your Chamber of Commerce. People want to help. Um, there are classes you could take on how to start a business. They're free. They're free they, that, that are free. And so what, just quickly, yeah. as you yeah. said, what is the reason? What, um, who, why do I need to be involved with the Chamber of Commerce? What, what do they do for... Well, not necessarily the Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, well, yeah. But in terms of utilizing these resources right. to help you plan, you know, if someone had said, hey, you have to have a business plan, in the process of doing your business plan, you are going to discover how your business can be profitable and the things to avoid and the things that would be a waste of your time. Has somebody qualified some of it for me? I've been like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Maybe yeah. I should do that exercise. And I, we did a business plan for the Ladybug Festival. Five years into doing the Ladybug Festival. And it changed everything. Yeah. It changed our entire outlook. And we went from having a couple thousand people to here, three years after that, being in two cities, having a major you know, presenting sponsor. Chase, Chase Bank is a presenting sponsor. Um, starting to book national acts, having 10,000 people attend, winning awards you know, for Best New Event. And that came from this business plan. It came from discovering who our customers were. You know, who, who are not something the as simple as necessarily. Yeah. Right. That's not our customer. We don't have tickets. Right. Those aren't our customers. Right. Right. You know? And so that was an aha major moment that, that right. potentially would have kept doing this event for another three years before we realized it without going through that exercise of doing this. So, so what what a what a class does and what a planning session with a small business association. Um, a mentor from that is it's, it it makes you think it makes you not just say just do just do it because sometimes you you can have the best idea but the absolute wrong delivery because you didn't you don't know what you don't know right okay so no and I'm not talking that this is brain surgery this is not brain surgery this is this is about detailed follow up customer service and all that but you're offering a service so when you're offering a service it's very different than if you're offering um, you know, to to sell water bottles on the street, it's it's different, and you have to think of it differently. So we've both been through different kind of training classes. I went through one that was specifically geared geared for women entrepreneurs that have been in business for five years, and it was um, how many months was it? I don't know. It was like four or five months. It was, it was brutal. I mean, it was a lot of you know, a lot of stuff and listening and and all that and. You know, did I come away with a million things? No. But what did I come away with? I came away with a couple really important things, um, which for me applied to our business, which is uh, we had to learn, along with everything else, to buy our talent for our business. So I know that sounds like an odd thing to be really talking about, but there's a limit to what you can do, what I can do, what he can do. What I, you know, you can tell financial stuff is not our strong suit. So, you know, you hire, I've learned, you know, to hire an accountant. I've learned that um, I'm curating this marketing approach to Ladybug that's specifically geared about my story and what we're doing. So I'm working with a marketing person. I'm not gonna just whip it out of my head because what comes out of my head most of the time is gibberish. So buy your talent, find your way. So invest in yourself. If you don't invest in yourself to run a business, then your business won't. You're only going to go so far. You're only going to go so far. And then, you know, you got to learn just to be really patient and persistent because, you know, I'll tell you, we've gone through some 
real peaks and valleys, even in the last year, and um, and it, it's not easy, and it's not for the faint of heart, and it's not for the thin-skinned. If you if you if you can't if you can't handle the pressure, you shouldn't do it. But there's room and space to do every a million other things. So you know, the music business is really hard to it's hard to break into. You got to really define what your niche is. You got to differentiate yourself. When when we get artist submissions for things like for Ladybug Festival, I want to go through the internet and, and say to every young woman that applies that has the same look of you know with their guitar. The Taylor Swift. By it's you know, the Taylor Swift. The Taylor Swift. You're, like, gonna, you're they, gonna feel right. me. In a pretty dress. Right. You're in a you field know, with a pretty dress and a guitar. And it's like, yeah, it's okay, and you're singing about your broken heart. Well, stop. Don't learn, sing learn about your broken heart. Learn how to stand up. As a business, as an artist, learn what your what are your strengths. And when you when you realize what your strengths are and you need other things, go out and get it. Right. So That's don't right. Yeah. Right. Take the risk. And, uh, you know, I think one of the best things about that exercise of doing a business plan is it really helps you manage your own expectations. It's one of the easiest ways to fail is to have unrealistic goals. Right. Right. And if you go through that, that, that exercise of, of coming up with a business plan and you actually crunch the numbers, you actually identify the target market and the potentials and you have a real plan, you're not going to set some ridiculous unrealistic goal that when you don't hit, you give up. Right. You know, you're going to be like, you know what, I think I can realistically right. hit this goal. Well, it, put, it puts, it does, it scales it, oh, right? So right. it puts a time, see, because yeah. I don't think that it's, I don't think that the goals are ever unrealistic. Yeah, it's no. the time that it takes exactly. to reach the goal that becomes right. unrealistic, right. which creates exactly. impatience, yep. which then creates frustration. It makes you, you feel like you failed. Exactly. Right. It's like, no, and, no, you just and makes you, you sloppy. Just need to get time. <laughs> you got to give more time. Right? And, exactly. and it makes you sloppy too. Yeah, but yeah. it's nothing worse so than like, you, not expecting. Well, yeah, well, that's when you do get sloppy, right? Like when if you, you get sloppy, when you start to become impatient, yep. that's when you do you get, get sloppy. You get sloppy and you make mistakes, and everybody makes mistakes. And everybody fails, as we were talking about before. Just do it quickly, you know. Right. And then once you once you get knocked down, and we have gotten knocked down in some pretty God. significant so ways, you know. You, you you know what what I once heard um, Barbara Corcoran speak at the Woman Series, and she said, because I, I want to give her credit for this, she said it's not it's not a question of whether or not you're going to fail. It's only a question of how fast you're going to get yourself back up. Right. That's. That's it, right there. You know, everybody gets knocked down. Everybody gets knocked down. We get knocked down probably on a weekly basis with something. But, you know, I you press off, you, you know? <laughs> I knock myself down on a daily basis. Yeah. And so you just have to get, how quickly can you recover and get yourself back up, learn from it, and move on? Right. You know, it, life isn't perfect. Nobody's perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. Some things work out better than others. So what? You know, just, you know, focus on what your thing is and go after it. Um, but do your basics. Set your foundation. It's like building a house. Right. You know, I, I mean, I you got to have a foundation. We, we had people in the beginning that told me, do a business plan. We did. And that was all they would say. Yeah. And I would right. never need that extra. You know, it should have been me to be like, why? I never did that. I just heard them saying We didn't even know like, why. Yeah, I don't think. It was also like, cocky. I was like, yeah, and I, I also don't think that, like, you have to be educated to know to ask why. Like, if someone says, right. Yeah, I don't think that that's anyone's fault. So if it is, hey, you need a business plan. I think kind of how we referenced earlier about like music conferences and stuff. Right. Like that's one of the things that I hope to 
have some conversations and switch yeah. is because it is. It's just the first layer. Yeah. And it's like, well, these a lot of people just don't even know to ask the next question. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, like if, if someone's like, hey, look, triangle's the strongest shape. It's like, okay. Why? Why? Right. Yeah, you know, like yeah. that that's the next yeah. question. And yeah. but then there's now after I begin to explain why, there are gonna be all kinds of like microcosms that sure. you can branch into, but you don't even need to Sometimes you're going to feel like, okay, I need a business plan. That's right. For what? For what That's right. Do I need it for? What kind of business yeah. plan? What type of business model? And there's what, what great is your resources. Plan? I went through the Launcher program, which is uh, the West Side Grows um, does a, uh, a launcher program, which is a 12-week class. And every week's homework assignment is a piece of a business plan. So that by the time you graduate this class, you have a yeah, comprehensive business plan. And they bring in experts for you to talk to. You know, each class is about the piece of, that you're about to, to work on, so you, you have education to do it. And it forces you, in that week, to do the work, to make it better. It gives you that deadline. So what was so the class that you guys took? Like, where was it take? Was so mine was at, at West at West End Neighborhood House that, okay. that, I, that I took. I, 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 mine was through the Small Business Association. Yeah. It was called We Think. Yep. And it is 10, it was, it's only done, I think, I don't even know if they do it every year, but they, they've done, I think I was the second or third class, and it's for women entrepreneurs that are been in their business for three to five years. That's beautiful. Now, is there any type of aid that yes. Mine is you're great. able to see? So that's amazing. So to Mine me, I'm like, that's good information. Right. If someone hears this, they might be like, okay, so, what's the class? So 50 bucks. Okay. 50 bucks. 50 yeah. bucks for so Small Business Association right now is shut down because of the government shutdown. Okay. So it actually, you can't do anything with them. But there's other classes. But that's okay. But that's okay. <laughs> but, but you know, you look into that, and, and, um, and I'm saying even that's what I'm saying. The Chamber of Commerces do offer um, different startup classes, how to how to start your business, how to do this. Take a class or two. Take just something. Challenge just yourself. Challenge yourself. Again, one of the one of the what helped me in getting an actual business plan up for Labor Life Festival was that it was a 12 week period of time. It wasn't like I said to myself. I gotta get a business plan done this weekend. Trying right. to do that, you're gonna you're just gonna just suck. It's gonna be sloppy again. Yeah, it's <laughs> gonna be bad. You're not, it's not gonna be well thought out. These kind of things take time. And each step of that plan, you know, just trying to identify who your competition is in the market. You can't just do one quick Google search and think you're gonna find it. Sometimes it takes actual work, asking around, asking people, making phone calls. That exercise is vitally important. Right, vitally important. And utilizing your resources. Absolutely. Like, you yeah, know, but figure out what resources to utilize because, again, if you if you start a business that nobody else is doing, you're especially challenged because you don't have anything to model it against. Right, right. I mean, we're not modeled after Live Nation or AEG. You know, they're we're like a a, a net to them, not even. Um, so there's no modeling it after that. So we have to sort of well, what makes sense? I think that you just made a very important point. Okay. Um, because. I find far too often that, like, if I do consultations with artists or even just contemporaries, um, that they tr attempt to model their business, they think of themselves as a business, as an artist, after something that is much different than them. So you just right. said, I'm not trying to model myself to Live Nation or AG, because no. those companies are massive, massive companies. So for artists, it's important to not model yourself after Taylor Swift or Bruno Mars because That's exactly that right. is a much different business than totally what you have. Right. You know, so yeah, I think that that is 
super, super important for anybody listening. It's like, just identify. So, right. And if you're going to say, well, I'm quote unquote different, so okay, well, different how? Right. And, and different now, why. yeah, and different, different why, yeah. And then figure it out from there. So, you know, it, it, you know, one of the things that, you know, just to kind of close and, you know, I know that we can talk about this for hours and hours and hours mm-hmm. and hours and we haven't even talked about Ladybug, you know, the festival side of it. And, you know, that's... We're going to have, we'll that, have links on the podcast so that people can... But, but really, you know, when you're, when you're starting a business, whether you're an individual contributor like a musician or you want to be a booking agent or you want to, you know, run some other aspect of a music business, any kind of business... You need to learn to be reflective. You need to stop yourself. You need to breathe. You need to look at it from the top down, from the bottom up, from the side. And you need to solicit some opinions of valuable people, but not too many people. Because the more, the more shades of gray you see with everything, the more confusing or complex it can become. If you have an idea, vet it, Put it on a piece of paper, write it out. Because sometimes I find when I write things out, the old-fashioned, you know, like literally writing it out, it organizes my thoughts in a different way. I see it, and then I can pursue it. And, and Jeremy knows, I mean, I still keep pads of paper all over the place, and I write things down, and I'll write notes on notes and things like that, because that's how my brain works. But when you, if you're going to start something, start the right way. You know, start it with, with thought. Um, it can move really fast. It doesn't mean that that means it will move slow. Just take your time and set your foundation and know you're building something. Anytime you build anything, a house, whatever, you build it from the bottom up. You don't build it from the top down. You build it from the bottom up. Now, sometimes you're building it so fast that you're putting up that wall and you're putting the window in all, all at the same time. That's okay, as long as you have the bigger plan is. You right. can't know what the bigger plan is unless you take your time regret, and figure it out. My regret is I haven't polished a book of Gale analogies. Oh, yeah, I haven't had Gale analogies. It's my place. I speak like that. I'm like, as soon as you go, I'm like, yeah. My kids will say, like, especially my daughter, you know, when her girlfriends would come over, they'd be crying and weeping, whatever, over something, or celebrating something, I'd be like, let me give you a life lesson here. <laughs> and uh, so I know it's relatable. I guess it's never too late to start. Right. I always said to my kids, you'll thank me when you're 30. Yeah. You know, that was like, that's, that's, like, that's my book. You'll thank me, you'll when, thank you're me when, you're, when you're 30 because, you know, all that. Not sense, they're, they're, there yet, not, they're not there yet, but, you know, all the times I made you, you know, eat something healthy or put sunscreen on your face, <laughs> you know, so now you look great. So now you can thank your mother for doing that. Right. But, but, you know, it just, it's just a question of you want to build it, go for it. You know, life is... Life is really full of opportunities, and one of the things that I hope to share in in communicating a lot of what I do personally as well as professionally is that you can you can always reinvent yourself. That you know when you figure the average lifespan is what 85, 86, 90 years old people go. Yeah. Okay, you're 30. I don't know how old you're. Old you're I'm I just saying. Okay. Well, you realize you've got you've got maybe another. You know what? Two or three trips of that, right? You have have another forty to fifty viable good years in front of you. That's cool. Yeah. You could do a lot with that. I know. I'm just saying. I don't know. It is. That is an important perspective. But but it's it's and keep that perspective. Especially considering that most of it, even like even at my age, it's like well, really, I'm only like been operating. For like 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm like, 
waiting for this one. I'm playing here. Just like, Greg, just like, going so good. So many people think Five of those years, I couldn't like, feed myself. Yeah. <laughs> so many people think it's all like, it's the one and done. You know, yeah. like, if I, if I don't make Firefly this year, I'm done. Done. I mean, give yourself some opportunity. Right. Give yourself the ability to change. Well, maybe you know you singing up there with a the guitar. Maybe that's not what you're supposed to do. Maybe you're actually supposed to sing with a band and let somebody else play a guitar. Right. I don't know. You know, there's all sorts Just of set things. Yourself, set yourself up for success. But right. but but allow yourself the opportunity to change. And you know, life is is really much longer for us, and it's much healthier for most people. If you know, if you have decent luck and don't do stupid things with your body. But, you know, so you have an opportunity to have a number of careers. So right. don't look at it, you know, you don't succeed in six months or a year, but that's it. Right. Because it's broke. taken us eight. Eight. It's just about. And, it, yeah, it's just about. It really is. Gail and I months. both think about it as really, we, we, we've really been in business for about three years. Yeah. You know, because, yeah. again, like you said, we can't feed yourself for the first five. We, we <laughs> honestly had no idea what we were doing. And the business didn't start really making sense for us until, until that point. Now it's just like, it's very exciting times. Maybe eight years old, but this is some of the most exciting times we've yeah. had. Right. Because it's now we just all, got an office. It's all starting right. to come right. together. Exactly. Like, not even here. just hire our first full-time employee. You know, these are big steps for us. And yeah. we're really excited that, that you know. We're hire your talent. Buy your talent. Buy your talent. See? Right. That's the thing. So. Thank you guys so much for taking You're the time. Welcome. Thank you. I think that there was some great information here. Hopefully, yeah. our listener base will Good. reach out to you and hopefully yeah. maybe somebody want to get involved. But even, I mean, just hopefully they were able to take something away, away from, from yeah. this. Yeah, business plan. Yes. Business plan. Business plan. All right. Thank business you guys plan. so much. Yeah, awesome. Appreciate it. That wraps up another episode of the McCove Mindset Podcast. If you appreciated any of the information in the discussion today, please rate, comment, and subscribe. Every bit of support is appreciated. And I want to continue to bring you content that will enhance your career, your life, and your overall mindset. So again, thank you for listening, and I'll see you soon. I know someone will be someone. It's you. It's you.